welcome to the NLP View with your host, Donna Blinston. Each week, Donna will explore how the techniques of NLP can help improve your personal and professional life. And now, here's your host, Donna Blinston. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the NLP View. My name is Donna Blinston. On today's show, I am joined by the executive producer of The Organic View, June Stoyer, to discuss how NLP can be used to enhance personal relationships. Valentine's Day has just passed us, a day that prompts all of us to think about what we have in our relationships and what we want in a relationship. Everyone looks for and needs a varying array of personality traits from their Mr. or Mrs. Wright. Unfortunately, some people are always looking for their Mr. or Mrs. Wright, a person that might not exist, or even worse still, the perceived Mr. or Mrs. Wright, just doesn't quite live up to expectation. Neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, is a form of applied psychology described as a study of subjective experience. NLP focuses on how we interpret information through our five senses and create our reality. It's that reality that we've created that we use to navigate our way through our lives. And by us understanding how we perceive what has happened in our relationships and how the other person has perceived what has happened, it enables us to judge things differently and to move towards a resolution that benefits both parties. So I'd like to welcome to the show June Stoyer. Hello, June. Hi, Donna. Thank you for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. It's a pleasure, an honor, in fact. I love your show. I love everything that you're doing, and I especially love your book, Psychobabble, I have to say. You know, on The Organic View, I've interviewed so many authors and healers and people who are leading a movement for consciousness and for self-improvement. And it's interesting, when it comes to NLP, I found that for me, it's been the most effective method for really improving existing relationships and also analyzing other relationships that really don't serve me. And um, it's it's not that easy, especially when it's somebody that's very close to you, whether it's a friend, a family member, somebody that you're intimately involved with. And I'm just grateful to you for all the work that you've done to really bridge that gap so that people can understand the benefits of NLP and, you know, the as you say, um, with with the book Psychobabble, uh, the plain English guide to understanding what's, what it's about. And so I just wanted to mention that because I think it's very important, especially for people that are learning about NLP and are trying to sort out what it's about and how it can benefit them. Wow, thank you. I'm glad you found it a benefit. That was my reason, I guess, for writing Psychobabble. I wanted to break it down into plain English to take away all the... uh, I want to use the word fluff, but it's not the right word. But sometimes there's... um, It can become quite technical. And NLP, a lot of it is applied common sense. A lot of it is things that we do every day it's just we're not aware of what we're doing. So by being able to be become more aware of what we're doing when we're doing things really well, we can start to use that purposefully. And oh, that I was agree. my main thing that yeah, that I wanted to, to put across that it's not you know, I got so many of my students 
you know, say, why the, you know, the silly name or, oh, this think it sounds confusing. But when you break down the techniques, they're not as confusing as they, as they first seem by the descriptions and the names. And at the end of the day, NLP was the model of success. It was modeling how people do things excellently. It was no, noticing what it is that they do well. So I took those things, well, I say I, those things are in NLP. I've broken them down further so that people can understand the history of where it's come from, the science that's behind it, and then how they can apply it to their real life, their real world, the business world, the healthcare world, so that it's it's more it's real and it's filled with real life examples, so that we can we can do it and people can get the benefit of it because that's what NLP was for. Yes, and I think for me personally, I remember discussing your book with a colleague who read it and appreciated the fact that the lesson for her was that she was able to also learn how to let things roll off her back, just like a duck. You know, a duck has its feathers and the water just rolls right off its back. And I also found the same lesson from Psychobabble. And with her, she had a situation where she had a coworker who almost bullied her and she couldn't quite understand that relationship, why this person was being so mean and also controlling. And when she took a closer look at the relationship, she asked herself the question, well, what is the benefit of this person behaving in this fashion? And lo and behold, the relationship that she had with this colleague basically was something that served him in the sense that it was an escape for his existing um, situation uh, and without going into much detail. But the bottom line is is that when you take a look at what NLP has to offer and you apply it in different areas in your life, not just in personal relationships but with friendships, with business relationships, even with relationships with your neighbors and with people that you don't really interact with too much, it helps you to understand why people do things the way that they do. And it's interesting, when you look at someone who's very hostile and has a lot of issues, often you might ask yourself, I wonder what happened to that person to make them so hostile. I wonder what happened in their life to make them so angry, to make them so hurtful, to make them so vicious. Much in the same way when you look at, for example, a dog that's been rescued who has been abused severely and does not warm up to people, um, you know, at all, if any. And it's the same principle that applies when you look at a human being that has experienced tremendous abuse in whatever fashion that may be, it does take a toll on that person's ability to interact with other people. And I think the the beauty of NLP, especially with the way that you teach NLP, Donna, is that you really empower your students to be able to understand relationships that much better. And it's also very important if you're looking at your own relationship as far as the personal relationship, uh, especially if you have issues in that relationship that you can't quite figure out. And um, I think um, with many pe- with with many relationships, people are not too sure if it's just a matter that they're being paranoid, or maybe they're just 
uh, unsure of themselves for whatever reason. But Donna, do you have any tips that you could offer the audience as far as what questions they should be asking themselves in order to ascertain whether or not the relationship that they're in is truly unhealthy? I guess the first step is for them to find out what it is that they want in a relationship, mm. what's important to them in the person that they want to be with. Because often people, we all have this, I say we all, a lot of people have this idea of their Mr. Right, that person that they're looking for. And for some people, they, they seem to feel that they're settled for second best or that their perception of what the ideal person should be like and that's going to make them feel good about themselves is this Mr. Right. But when they find that Mr. Right, it isn't actually what they need within a relationship. So it's having a look at what is important to them in a relationship. And it, it, it is that question, asking it again and again and again and again. Looking back at a time, previous relationships, and what made them particularly happy in that relationship, or what wasn't happening which made them unhappy, because once they know that, then they can start looking at possibly the relationship they're in and whether it's the case that the relationship they're in doesn't hit the most important things for them. And if that isn't going to ever happen in that relationship, then maybe it's a case that we need to look at leaving that relationship or a conversation with that other person to say, this is what I need. I need more fulfillment or challenge or to feel loved. They, they might not feel like they're being loved. And it could be a case that the other person loves them, loves them dearly, but the way they show love isn't the way the other person feels love. So a lot of it can be working with the, with the couple to find out what they want in the relationship, what's important to them about a partner or about relationships on the whole, and then how is it that they know that that is going to be fulfilled? Because it could be that they're actually quite ideally matched but the way that that person um, feels those things isn't being met by the other person. So I guess that would be the, the biggest starting block to find that out and then go from there. Now, what about situations where you have a couple that have been together for a number of years mm -hmm. and they get to the point where they one of them can't take it anymore, they break up, and then something brings them back together? whether it's something something with work, something with the family, there's a crisis with the family, or just, you know, they're just lonely, they just miss the person. How do you know if the person that you're with is someone that you constantly are analyzing? You know, this person doesn't make me happy because X, Y, and Z, but on the other hand, they do A, B, and C, that nobody else has ever done in my life or in their life uh, for them. So at what point do you begin doing the comparisons to determine if that relationship is in fact healthy or it's a matter of personal growth, whether it's your personal growth or their personal growth? I mean, I know it's a complicated question, but where do you begin when you find that you're in that type of situation? Because I know that it's very common it's not just gender. It's It could happen with men. It could happen with women. Oh, but it's everybody. the back and forth, that, that roller coaster ride where it, you go up, you go down, you break up, you get back together again, and you feel that there's there are some redeeming qualities in that person that keep you there. 
But mm-hmm. at what point do you say, okay, you know something, this relationship just is not something that is meant for the altar? That that is one thing that I that I probably have the most clients for, and it is that going back to the same person. And a lot of the time, we'll we'll start off by looking at their values, what's important to them in a relationship, what is it they're actually looking for, and how well that person does or doesn't meet up to that. But also, it could be the case that they're they're going back to that same person, maybe because they're lonely. So it's a lot of it could be around that side, and that person is just the behavior that they're doing by going back to that person is just the best way that they know how to fulfill that need. There's a thing that with NLP, one of the principles is that um, everyone is doing the best with the resources they have available to them. So if someone is feeling particularly lonely or um, scared of being alone or scared of ending up alone um, when they're older, like a family member has, or getting divorced, splitting up the family, or any of the different connotations as to reasons why people go back to the same person. We, the, Them going back is the only way that they know how to fulfill the problem that they're trying to stay away from. So a lot of the work is dealing with that problem. What is it about the loneliness? Things to goals to set with them about getting out, reinventing their um, social life, you often find people that have been in a relationship for a long time that have just stayed in a relationship possibly for convenience. Mm. They might feel that they've lost a lot of those interpersonal skills. They don't want to start again. And there seems to be a perception that if you split up from somebody, you've got to go and find another relationship. And often it's about, no, you've got to start and find yourself, learn to love yourself again. Because if you can't love yourself and respect yourself, then why is anybody else going to? So a lot of it is work around that and getting that person their confidence back up, getting them more um, interacting, doing hobbies, rebuilding themselves as an individual rather than being the the partner of the other person. And a lot of the work is around that. And as that starts to develop and people start to feel more, um, more independent, more strong, more focused on where they want to be in the future, what they want to get out of life, once that starts happening, they'll natu- the attachment that they've got to that other person will naturally be broken and they'll start seeing things from a different perspective. So we'll do techniques around their perspective where we'd look at three positions like the corners of a triangle. And the first corner would be them as themselves. And then we could either have in the opposite corner, which we'll call position two, the other person in the relationship, or their perception of a relationship. So maybe somebody that they look up to that's got the ideal relationship, whether it be a friend or, I don't know, a hero or a family member. Somebody that they look up to over in position two. And then in position three, the top of the triangle, we'd have a wise old owl. So it could be, again, someone that they would go to for advice or um, anybody you'd want, really, that you would you would go to for advice and that you'd respect their opinion. And that position really is a position to observe, to facilitate the change. So we'd start off in position one, looking over to position two, and they'd tell me exactly how they're feeling about themselves, about the relationship, and basically the problem that they're in at the moment, and just letting it all out. 
if it's a case that we're looking to repair the relationship with the other person or to better understand the relationship, then it would be all the problems with that relationship and with the other person. They then go into position two, looking back at themselves in position one, to the opposite side of the triangle, and be that other person, so be the partner. And after hearing everything that has just been said by them, as the partner, they would explain their feelings, so they're stepping into the other person's shoes. And basically getting it from his perspective or her perspective. If it's a case that they're wanting to learn about or how a um, somebody to look up to and they're wanting to get advice from the other person, then they become that other person. And again, giving their opinions and learning. Cause a lot of learning gets done from there because that's when you're, if you're like you're out of the box, you're out of your box with the problem and looking at things on a bigger scale. From there, we'd go then into position three. Sorry, June. Oh, no, 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 that's okay. <laughs> we'd go into position three at the top of the triangle as the wise old owl, looking down at the other two people in position one and position two. So the person in position one and the other person in position two. And what is it they notice in the relationship? What advice would the wise old owl give to either party? What does either party need to do in order to improve the situation? And keep on going that to start facilitating different thought patterns. And so the premise is around you giving yourself advice. And it's that whole thing of you can ignore what somebody else says because they really don't have a clue. They don't know what you're talking about or how you're feeling or where you've come from, your background. But you do. And if you're giving yourself advice, it's that that you can't ignore. So as the NLP, we're very much just facilitating a process and taking them right, we might go round again and again. Keep on going back to position one and noticing what's different now. What have they learned? What are they going to do in the future? What else could benefit it? What else do they need to discuss to find out? And from there, we'd start goal setting and um, looking at whatever issues have been brought up. I think the OWL example is excellent for a number of very, reasons. Very powerful. Yeah. Amazing. One of the things that I just wanted to comment about regarding the owl example is the fact that often I hear from people this comment. They say, you know something, I can give anybody that I meet great advice on their relationship, but when it comes to myself, I constantly make the wrong choices in selecting a partner that's suitable for me. And what you just described, Donna, really empowers the individual to be that person that can offer that that sage advice and enable them to understand their own situation and the issues that they have, the things that they want, the things that they don't have, and why they don't have it, more importantly. So I think your technique is really brilliant in the sense that it does enable the person to empower themselves and it's amazing when you're empower when you empower yourself you really learn so much especially about yourself but also the people that you interact with and whatever the relationship may be whether it's a family member a friend colleague partner lover what have you it's it's really amazing how you start to look at things from a different perspective and I guess that's what it's all about. 
It is, and that that's what NLP is all about. It's, it is about empowering that other person, teaching the person to be at cause in the life. One of the, the biggest oh, gifts, I guess, um, but one of the biggest lessons that first changed me, I think, was this whole premise of cause and effect. And basically, you can either be at cause or at effect. And if you're at cause in your life, you take responsibility for what happens. You, um, you're in charge. It's very, it's very empowering. It's a position where it doesn't matter because rubbish happens all the time. Mm. It's never going to stop happening. That is life. It's how we deal with it that makes us as a person, and it's how we deal with it that, in, you know, enhances us personally, professionally. But it's that that changes and shapes our future. So by being at, at cause, you're saying, okay, so that rubbish has happened, really un- didn't need it, but what have I learned about it? What can I do differently next time? How can I handle it? Who do I need to go to to get support for dealing with it? Because those things will empower you. They'll give you more more control in your life. No, whereas, think, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, whereas when you're at effect, you're the result of somebody else's behavior. So if you are in that unhealthy relationship, that you might you might feel that the the other person doesn't listen to you or um, doesn't love you, doesn't support you, um, any of those connotations really. If you're sitting there and wallowing or moaning, then you're very much the result of what they're doing to you. And yes, they are doing that. But what are you going to do about it? You can sit there forever and a day and moan and worry and get upset about it. It's not actually going to change what has happened or what will continue to happen. So it's about taking charge. And rather than justifying how you feel and making excuses for how you're feeling, and I'm not, I can't bother going out today or I'm not going to go to my friends because he, she's just done this. Rather than being in that place, it's saying, okay, this is happening. I don't want it to continue. What can I do differently? Who can I go to, whether it is a form of a coach or help? whether it's going to friends and family, someone to conceal in, or whether it's a case that you just need that time out for yourself to start reflecting on where you want to be in the next six months, a year, five years down the line. And it's that, it's what, do you want to be at cause or at effect? And a gift for our audience would be to play the game for two weeks. I started playing it back in the April, January to April of 2004. I'm still playing it. And I don't think I'll ever stop because it's completely transformed me and my results. Thank you. I think that's a really great way to, or a great approach to begin the process. Mm. Let me just ask you a question. What do you do if you're married? And say if you're married maybe 7, 10, 20 years Mm-hmm. And you're taking a look at your relationship, and granted, everybody gets comfortable after a certain period of time, but what do you do then? I mean, it's not easy to just walk out of a marriage, and you know, if you're married for that long, for the most part, you're usually in it for the long haul. Mm-hmm. So what advice do you have for married couples that perhaps just have gotten so preoccupied with their own lives, with their own day-to-day obligations and responsibilities and truly aren't necessarily happy but they don't necessarily want 
to walk out of the marriage, they would like to make it work. Oh yeah, I never, I never encourage anybody to leave a relationship or a marriage. It's very much where that person's at and what they want to do. But um, if it is a case that their the relationship is under strain or they're not their marriage, I say, um, they neither are getting the same fulfilment out of it. A lot of it could be just going back into, again, the, what's important to your relationship because values change. They change with life's lessons and life's experiences. But there'll be a reason why you first met with that person, why you married him or her. So it'd be going back to, you know, what was it? What was When it was really good, what was happening? What were you doing? And looking at how we can integrate what was happening then in your lives that was really good and what is hap- what is or isn't happening now. Because one thing that you find a lot is when you're, it's the whole seven-year hitch um, glitch thing, you get comfortable and you get into the, the mum role, the dad role, um, or the, the breadwinner, the house um, wife, house husband, and you, you play a role within your relationship and sometimes that role can become quite mundane so it's what do you need to do personally to fulfill your to fulfill you, yourself, your life, and your relationship? So where I said we'll look at what's important to my relationship, we'll look at each of the members of the family, the partners in the relationship, and look at their what's called the wheel of life. And if you imagine a wheel, and each of the segments within the spoke of the wheel represent a different area of your life. So you've got your religion spirituality, um, your um, health and well-being, fitness, finances, business, career, job, whichever it may be for the person, um, their friends, their social life, the partner, relationship, um, their family, and all the different aspects of that person's life. And look at what's important to them in each and how well they're fulfilling their values of what's important. Because if you imagine that wheel... If that wheel at zero is the middle of it and 10 out of 10 fulfillment is the edge circle of the wheel, if you're only fulfilling one of those spokes by halfway, you've got quite a wonky wheel. So if, for example, the relationship isn't being met in all those areas, then you're going to have a wobble in your wheel. If from a religious point of view, your marriage is something that's very important to you, then that's obviously going to be fulfilled, but it's almost contraindicating your relationships. If you've got problems in within work, within your business, if it's a family business or a business where you work together, maybe it's a case of looking at how you work together, taking different jobs um, within the business, if it's a family business, or um, maybe the other person staying at home more and doing the backside of the of the business, like your accounts, the cold calling, whatever it might be, where the other person be more of the front of shop, whichever way it can be so that you're you're fulfilling all areas of your life. Because if it's not fulfilled, then you are are wonky and life isn't going to be turning as smoothly. So it's looking at everything and assessing everything. Once we've done that, we can then start to look at the relationship as it is now and it might be a few little things that have happened rather than a big thing that's happened and set everything off mm. and little things can grate on you and annoy you oh yeah especially if you're the kind of person that you'll have an argument and you'll either have the argument and bring up 
everything from leaving your toothpaste with the cap off in the bathroom. Everything, single thing that they've done, and it's a bombardment all at once and around. Or whether you're the quieter person that will sit and stew on it and then in your head list all the things that's annoying you and the things that they do to grit you. So you're playing this torment continuously. So it would be looking at all the little, those little things and doing that perceptual positions technique of the other person. And a lot of it is we just we start not communicating as well. So it's how can you improve the communication between you in the relationship? How does the other person feel fulfilled in what's important to them? And I guess respicing it. Mm. There's a reason why you've married that person. There's a reason there. And it's reigniting that flame. And sometimes it's a matter of the things that you do that you're not even aware of. And and often people will do things that they think their partner likes when, in fact, it's irritating. So it's, yeah. it's always interesting. And Donna, can you share with our audience some information about your upcoming workshop? Uh, I think that <laughs> the fact that you're offering these workshops is just incredible especially since so many people want to work with somebody who is a certified practitioner of NLP, and especially with your medical background, um, I think this is such a tremendous opportunity. I would love to. Um, there's, well, if you go via the website um, and via your own site, theorganicview.com, you'll be able to look onto the online webinars. And the first one's actually the 9th of March. It's coming up quite soon. And we'll be discussing all the things we've discussed today, looking at relationships, how you can improve your relationship, understand yourself more and the other person. And Donna, can you also uh, just tell our audience once again where they can pick up a copy of uh, Psychobabble? You can. Um, on Don- if you go to DonnaBlinston.com, um, the link's are on the, the main page under the books. Or just type in Psychobabble, a straightforward plain English guide to the benefits of NLP, and you'll pull that up through the website. Any good bookstore online, um, you'll find um, the books there. And folks, thank you so much for joining me and Donna. This has uh, been such a great opportunity to work with Donna once again. And tune in each week to Donna's show, The NLP View, and also sign up for her upcoming workshop which I will also be co-hosting with her. Um, she, of course, is the expert, and I'm just happy to help out. I just think that the gifts that she's giving to the world with NLP is just tremendous. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you, everybody. Look forward to speaking with you again next week. And thanks again, June. Oh, you're very welcome. With you. Have a great day, folks. Bye.